You're listening to The Bloodline with LLS. We'll be joined by experts who will help us understand current issues and resources available to those diagnosed with blood cancer. Holidays and, you know, those things are, are, mean so much more now than they did prior to cancer entering our lives. This may potentially be a cure for some patients. We'll also be speaking with patients and caregivers who will share their cancer journey with us to better understand life after diagnosis and let you know you're not alone. Beforehand, my job was to earn a living for my family. My wife said to me, your job now is to live. And that's what I'm doing. I'm living my life the way I want to live it, and I'm really enjoying it. It's a much more fulfilling life. Let's get started. Welcome to The Bloodline with LLS. I'm Alicia. I'm Edith. And I'm Lizette. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Today we'll be speaking with WWE superstar, actor, and former professional football player, Joseph Anoa'i, who many may know as Roman Reigns. Apart from fighting opponents in the ring, Roman found himself fighting his biggest opponent yet after receiving his leukemia diagnosis back in 2017. On this episode, Dr. Louis DiGennaro, President and CEO of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, will be speaking with Roman about his leukemia diagnosis and what that journey was like for him. Dr. Lou, take it away. Thank you. Roman, it's so great to have you here today. I'd love to talk to you about the experiences you've had in your life and as a patient so that our patients can benefit from that. Lots of curiosity about what motivated you to become a WWE superstar. I've always wondered that myself. I wonder if you could share it. Well, you know, it's kind of a family business for us. My father was a wrestler along with my uncle. And before him, uh, before those guys, they were mentored by uh, the high chief, Peter Maivia, which is I mean, he was huge way back in the day. His name was really brought to light whenever his uh, grandson, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, uh, hit it big and made a name for himself. So he was kind of huge mentors for my father and uncle and really brought them into the business. And then from there, it was just countless cousins all the way to my brother. And then my cousins, the Usos, who also wrestle currently with me, to myself. And then we have a few more cousins that are younger than us, that are also in line, who can also do some special stuff. So hopefully we're just continuing the tradition and and building the legacy for even more of our family tree to uh, partake. That's fantastic. I always knew that family was important to you, and now I can see why and how extensive it is. It's absolutely a fantastic story. You, You got off to a great start in your career, and then I know you were surprised with a cancer diagnosis, with a diagnosis of leukemia. I wonder if you could share, you know, what that diagnosis was and a little bit of the signs and symptoms that you had. Yeah, once my career got going, I had a bit of a relapse with CML, diagnosed with uh, CML, which is chronic myeloid leukemia. And mainly, I think a huge part of it was just the fatigue. And one thing, sometimes I forget, just because we're so used to, you know, being sports entertainers and performers and and just how physical our job is we kind of can just mow over the little injuries and the bumps and the bruises but one thing that i didn't really take full notice of because i just felt like i'm supposed to be sore when you're wrestling 
sometimes five matches a week, three to four nights a, a week, you're just beat up, you know, and, and you have all these nicks and bruises and, and you just kind of get used to feeling sore all the time, along with training and being in the gym as well. But my spleen had enlarged and that was something that I think was kind of one of the more short-term serious side effects that I had to deal with, just involving the physicality of being in the ring. And God, you know, I'm, I'm so lucky that fortunately nothing happened. Thank God that I worked with some really, really talented performers and some just great professionals, just guys who as violent and as physical as our job can be. They're very good at what they do and, and no one hit me, you know, in the wrong place and caused a rupture or anything like that because as I'm sure you know that being out of town in an arena, you know, on the road away from your family, something like that happens and you get rushed to the emergency room yep. you know, and the surgery, it just can, you know, along with how serious it is, it can just cause such a, just a crazy, uh, just an emotional roller coaster for everybody. So. That was something that we had to really take into account and get me out of the ring. And that's why it just all started to happen so abruptly. But I think the main thing I was feeling was the fatigue. Always feeling tired, not quite sure why, even if I were able to get good nights of rest, even have a couple of days of recovery, being off the road, it just it never felt like it got off of me. It was just that monkey on my back at all times. But along with that, I just, I just always thought it was... When you're working hard and you're chasing your dreams and you're busting your tail every single week trying to, you know, get the job done, especially when you're performing at an elite level at the very top of the biggest company in the world as far as sports entertainment. These are just, you know, the, the rigors that come with the schedule and the lifestyle. So I tried not to, as we would say in the wrestling world, tried not to sell it. But thank God we're well taken care of between the company and then my doctors, my oncologists doing our blood tests and our, our CBCs and, and keeping track of that stuff, I was able to see my white blood cells getting out of whack again. So that's how you really discovered the diagnosis again, was through the blood counts and seeing that the white blood cell count was abnormal. Correct, yeah. Yeah, that, and I mean, you know better than anybody, that's kind of the beauty with blood cancer is it's one of the easiest uh, cancers to test and, you know, do research and labs on because... It's not invasive as far as having to cut out a tumor, you know, take flesh or tissue and, and sample that. So very, very lucky in that regard. Yes. So when I talk with cancer patients, they frequently tell me how cancer has changed their lives. So has it changed it for you, Roman? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I've always been one to take care of myself, especially being an athlete. But I think especially now, as I've gotten a little bit older, matured over the years, I really go out of my way to live a healthy lifestyle, to live, to put my nutrition and, you know, put my fitness first because at the end of the day, and, you know, sometimes as a young man, you can be hard-headed, you know, and, and you know, as I, <laughs> that's a, that's a light statement there, you can be very hard-headed. I think, it, and over the years you've seen, and I'm not sure why, I'm sure you know better than I would. You've seen younger patients, you know, diagnosed with this. And I think as young people can be resilient, you know, very prideful, sometimes arrogant. They don't think even, even in the face of something as serious as leukemia that, well, this isn't going to stop me. I'm going to continue to live my life and I'm going to continue to fight for my dreams and, and live out my goals. 
but there are some concessions that need to be made. You know, you have to really take into account your fitness, your exercise, what you're putting in your body, the nutrition, and the rest that you're getting. And uh, sometimes all of those things are not checked off by a 20-year-old. So were there special places you went for resources to learn about what to do? You know, did you rely on your on your doctor or some healthcare professionals? Did you ever come to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society for advice? Actually, yeah. You know, a lot of it early on was uh, mainly through my doctors and my oncologists uh, at the time. But it was something that I did with, you know, just doing some research and, and visiting uh, LLS.org. You know, at the time, it was just a website. You know, I, I didn't have any names or faces or resources or true contacts, but it was something as far as just getting information. And, and even now to this day, which a lot of times just a simple Google search will revert you right to the website, you know. So I think it's not only just the information, but getting good information, getting a reliable source. That way you can have those connections and then the understanding of what you're going through and, and what's essentially attacking your body and to also understand that you're not alone. I think that's, you know, especially with leukemia, that's one of the hardest things to understand because sometimes you don't see a major change. Sometimes it can be like a silent assassin attacking you and you don't know what's going on. And sometimes that can be worse when your brain can wonder, when you can mentally go insane thinking, how can this happen to me? You know, I look, I look healthy. I feel healthy. Other than being tired and maybe a few small things here and there, you're just not quite sure why this is happening to you. So if you can rely and, and tap into a reliable resource, man, that would make it so much easier for you mentally, which obviously connects emotionally and then for some spiritually. Yes. You know, we pride ourselves in having extremely high quality information and having it available in any way a patient wants to consume it, right, on the web or by phone or by text or, or any way so that we can help patients. It's interesting. You paint a very vivid picture of what living with leukemia is like, uh, everything from not only physical challenges, but even the way it affects your psyche as well. It's, it's pretty amazing. You have a leukemia that is treated where you can treat it at home just taking one of these modern precision medicine drugs. And I wonder, you know, whether the color's the way you think about it at all. Yeah, you know, that was one of the uh, biggest blessings, I guess, is, and, you know, all this kind of happening during my original diagnosis all the way, and then to see the advancements, um, and that that's a huge godsend, is the oral chemotherapy, and to be able to do it and not have to go through true chemotherapy and radiation and just have the advances of research and, and to be able to benefit from the hard work of so many great organizations like LLS. It's definitely something that I think about often, of just how lucky, you know, and you have to be able to go full circle because you are dealing with those things. And some people are, especially early on, Years ago, I felt like I had a huge, being an athlete, a huge asterisk next to my name. You know, now I'm, I think as my story has kind of come out and then you've seen a few different professional athletes along the way over the last five to ten years, their diagnosis has become public and their fight and then their comeback as well. So I think it's something that's known as being a lot more manageable 
and it's not just such a dream shatterer. But, you know, back then, when I was just 21 years old, it shook my world. Because since I was seven years old, I put everything into athletics. I put everything into football. And, you know, like most young men, I had all my marbles in, in that one basket. And it just, it really, it really did a number on me. But I'm so thankful that, A, I was involved in athletics. I was involved with really key organizations that put you through these physicals and put you through these different tests and exams and, and blood work and, you know, all these extensive tests to make sure that you are healthy and that they can invest money in you. So for me, that, that was, it was just huge to be able to deal with something that was starting, the tide was turning for leukemia at that point. Yeah. 15 years ago, maybe even before that, when the medications were starting to come out, but to be right there on the forefront of it, even before people really understood like they do now. And, you know, as we continue to get the information out there and raise awareness, it's still to this day, not enough people know. But I just felt like I, my, the timing was, it was very lucky for me. As I was going through that, through this emotional roller coaster, I still felt like research and the world had my back in a, in a small sense that not so much as it is now, to where literally it feels like the world has my back now the support of so many people, you know, when it became public a couple of years ago. But even then, I just felt like the doctors, science, research, I was just in really good hands. Well, Roman, I think you should give yourself a little credit here, too. Clearly, you're a resilient guy. And I'm betting, going to take us all the way back to what you said at the beginning, I'm betting having your family around you and having their support was really helpful. Uh, you know, can you say a word or two about the role of the caregiver in all of this? How I'm sure your family was there, you know, supporting you along the way. That must have been important to you. Oh, it's huge because I think and I think about it now. The first thing I thought about is when I do a hospital visit or I get to do a make a wish or meet someone who's sick. When you see the family around them, you know, when you see the loved ones, the, the friends, the mother, the father. The, the siblings, when you see the struggle that they're all going through, and especially in a situation, you know, when, when you have a little bit of impact to make a, turn a bad day into a good day and you put, can put some smiles on the faces, you just really see yeah. how, how much it changes, you know, the people that are surrounding the patient and just how, you know, it's not just the patient going through the struggle, it's the whole family. It's anyone that they've affected or created a relationship or a bond with in their life. And that goes all the way from family to friends to the, you know, the caretakers within the hospital. All the way from the nurses to the doctors to the ladies that just take you back and, and draw your blood. You build a rapport. You know, when you're going in every single week, you end up building relationships with all these people. And they get to see you from day one when you're beady-eyed and you're, you're terrified and you have fear in your heart, so all the way to where it's like, okay, you see your white blood cells coming down, you see some normalization happening, and they all get to go on that roller coaster ride with you, which, you know, obviously we always wanted to be the safe finish, the comeback story, and I think everyone involved in research and the science behind pushing these medications and these drugs to help and save lives, they've definitely seen that process get stronger and stronger as the years go along. Yes. It's all about surrounding yourself with, with people you love. That way you're reminded 
what you're fighting for every single day. You know, every single day you have to remind yourself the beauty of this world and why it's so important to have another day. Well, I was going to ask you what advice you'd have for other patients, but you just gave it. It's uh, it's fantastic. You're paying it forward, Roman, and thank you for doing that. You're paying it forward by doing recordings like this that I know will be impactful when other patients hear it. I've just got one last question for you. So on our patient podcast homepage, we have a quote that says, after a diagnosis comes hope. Based on your cancer journey and everything you've experienced, what word would you choose to complete that sentence? After a diagnosis comes It's not as pretty as hope, but uh, I think the fight. After a diagnosis comes the fight. And I think that means a couple different things. Obviously, you know, fighting for your life and, and fighting for tomorrow and earning tomorrow, but also knowing what you're fighting for. Like we just spoke about, the family, the things that you love, the opportunity to live and to pursue your dreams, fighting for that tomorrow isn't just necessarily the 24 hours that we expect every day, but the opportunity to whether create, to love, to respect, to honor, to show loyalty, anything that comes along with the opportunity to struggle. Sometimes that's as big as, you know, thriving is understanding the struggle and how we bond through that. So I think, uh, yeah, after the diagnosis for me was, was the fight. And then even to this day, we continue not only to fight for my opportunity to live tomorrow, but for others as well, and to continue to fight to raise awareness and to continue to push this thing forward to to make it as easy as possible for future patients and anyone who finds themselves in the same struggle one day. Well, thank you, Roman. As always, whether it be in the WWE ring or here on the patient podcast, you're an inspiration to all of us. Thank you again for joining us and for telling us this story. Thank you, Dr. Lou. Appreciate you for having me, man. Thanks for listening to The Bloodline with LLS. We can be found on iTunes and other great podcatchers. You can subscribe at www.thebloodline.org. Be sure to check out our archive section on our website for previous podcasts. Be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. Keep up with LLS by following us on Twitter at LLSUSA and Facebook at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Until next time.